This podcast is in the loop, the Legion of Osiris podcasts. Osiris is creating a community that connects people like you with live experiences and podcasts about artists and topics you love. Get in the loop at OsirisPod.com. DIY and How Studios present Deeper Digs in Rock, part of the Rock and Roll Archaeology Project. Music, culture, technology, and rock and roll. Now, on with the show. Hello, fellow archaeologists. Welcome to Deeper Digs in Rock, a production of Rock and Roll Archaeology. Christian Swain here, behind the mic in Hollywood today at Aftermaster Studios. Thank you for joining us. In Deeper Digs, we go a little further, dig a little deeper into specific topics that tie in with rock and roll history. The music, the culture, and the technology. It's the companion show to our episodic overview of rock history, the Rock and Roll Archaeology Podcast. If you're not listening to our main podcast, well, you are missing out. This episode, we'd like to ask you to consider a donation through our Patreon page or pick up some merch from Tee Public. We humbly appreciate any and all help. All the info can be found at rockandrollarchaeology.com. And archaeology is spelled A-E-O as in the King's English. Thank you. Something special today, something new. We'd like to introduce you to the newest host for the Rock and Roll Archaeology Network of Podcasts. Our newest show is going to be called Art of Rock with Kosh and Friends, hosted by our guest today, the aforementioned mononymous Kosh. Kosh is a legendary art director with something like 2,000 album covers to his name. We will sample just a few today so we get to know him. He's also done posters, tour programs, and the like, among them John Yoko's Wars Over campaign. He also worked with numerous photographers, designers, and the like, and of course, many of the stars. Kosh has this unique knack for pulling the perfect image out of the head of the musical artist to create album covers that reflect the music succinctly, at a glance, and at the same time, invite you to pour over every detail and peel through all the layers of meaning. Not just album covers, album art. He has a truly remarkable body of work. Far too many iconic covers to catalog here. And besides, I don't want to spoil any upcoming stories. But it all started with Kosh's first album cover design, the most famous of all the Beatle records, Abbey Road. Yeah, and it just goes on from there. 
And it turns out he's a good storyteller, a bit of a raconteur even. So let's do it. Let's get to talking with the host of our new show, Art of Rock with Caution Friends. Kosh. Hey, everybody. I'd like to welcome Kosh, uh, our newest host to the family of uh, podcasts on the Rock and Roll Archaeology Network. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, yeah. We're <laughs> I happy said that to have you. Very British accent, you noticed. I, well, you are kind of British. Well, I'm putting it on. But yeah, yeah. Well, that's why we picked you. We needed, well, I was born in Brooklyn, probably. We, in Brooklyn. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> so this is just an act. Yes, of course. It's a great act. Thank you so much. Yeah, that's why we hired you. (laughs) Anyway, uh, hey, let's introduce the diggers to uh, your new show, which is called Art of Rock with Kosh and Friends. Tell us, what, what's it going to be about? It's going to be about about all the people that I've worked with, the stars, uh, the celebrities, uh, the rock and roll photographers and designers uh, that I've worked with, and all the fun and trepidation that we've had. And we can expand upon all these different sort of stories behind the great rock and roll album covers uh, that we've created or um, have been involved in in some respect or another. It's going to be just a gas. That's the whole point. Yeah, because you've had a very long career uh, designing uh, album covers. I, I think the last time uh, I checked, it's like close to 2,000 album covers. Well, yeah, yeah, so I'm told. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's somewhere around there, yeah, but it's, it uh, started way back. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. So, so let's see. Officially, your title is Art Director. Yes. That's why you are the host yes. of Art of Rock with Kosh Yes, I'm the orchestra c- conductor. Yeah, yeah. T- comes... t- yeah. Explain to the folks what, what an art director in the uh, the rock and roll Well, the art director has to deal with the client, the artist particularly, mm-hmm. and, and also be a bridge between the artist and the record label. Mm-hmm. But the whole point is you have to orchestrate, you know, who we're going to use to take the pictures, how the picture's going to be lit mm-hmm. and look, and how we're going to print them, and uh, also how we get it within budget and out on time which is most important it has to be you know if it's october you have to be in the stores in november and trucks have to roll and you cannot screw that up no no so yeah and and you're kind of like at the end of the line because all the music's been uh put Mm, together and not necessarily i could start right at the very beginning of the line actually when we got we're listening to rough mixes because that's one of the things that i'm very concerned with Mm -hmm. is that when i meet the artist and um i listen to their music and sometimes they're rough mixes Mm -hmm. they're just coming out of the studio and they're a little bit embarrassed about letting them out at the moment because they haven't been mixed mm-hmm. um and but that's the very point that i like to be there because then i can see that the images that we are going to correct uh, create um are going to sort of definitely sort of reflect the music that people are going to buy because yeah. that's the whole yeah. point it's this is where art and commerce have to meet at some point yeah and it's the point is, you know, as I say, I think I uh, mentioned some time back that in the old days, 15% of your sales were uh, coming from 
impulse buyers. Mm -hmm. So people saw a really great car. They had to catch the eye. They had to catch the eye. But he also had to describe the music within uh, the old-fashioned word again, grooves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. For those of us who listen to Vinyl Snob, uh, one of our shows, uh, it's it's all about uh, those 12-inch pieces of art. And you, you know, helped create all of that during the great heyday of rock and roll. Yes, it was the great art, uh, you know, sort of gallery in the sky when you could walk into your record store and you can see all these albums is sort of uh, surrounding you mm-hmm. you know and mm-hmm. you then will decide whether you want to go country whether you can go rock whether you can go you know whatever you want to do yeah. but the, the image has to describe what you're about to buy and that's very important but also more importantly uh, is that the artist you're working with has to trust you Mm-hmm. It's very important that they know you're going to not let anything go out that doesn't work. Yeah, and we'll you know. get into that. So, did you train for this? Did you go to school specifically for? Yeah, I went to I went to Hornsey Art School, Art College actually, which was um, it was in those sort of sort of strange days when uh, I think. Uh, you had a choice, you know, when you're sort of ill-educated like I am. Mm-hmm. You either have to join the army and sort of risk getting killed or you uh, go to art school. You're, so right. you can tell yeah. which one I chose. So you came up with that generation like like John Lennon and yes, many exactly. of the others that, yeah. that you know, uh, they didn't – you didn't have to join the army uh, starting in no, the, the mid to late had 50s. ended at that point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Bam! And you, yeah. Could, you could go to go to a college of some form uh, right, and exactly, get training. Yeah. So, and you went that route. I was very lucky because – because I could draw hands, and therefore I got a scholarship. <laughs> really? Yeah. So it started with that, huh? Yeah. yeah. Wow. I still, I, yeah, I, I guess, I guess actually, I think, I think it is said that drawing a, the human hand is actually a very difficult it's, thing. It's, it's worse than the foot, yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well. But I've got to tell you that, um, yeah, yeah, I mean, I I had that skill. I've lost the skill. I've lost the skill. Oh. Because there's computers now. Well, know? yeah. So, you know, well, you so can do it don't on... don't need the skill right. anymore, you but can, the point you, is... You like, can do it on Adobe Illustrator or yeah, something like that. Yeah, so anybody can do it. Could do it in those days. <laughs> <laughs> wow, wow. So you grew up in that, that generation, the post-war. North uh, London post-war generation. Yeah, yes. yeah the yeah. 1950s, right? Right, so, yeah. Yeah, what was that like for you? Well, I mean, we had a lot of sort of um, – there was a lot of bombing going – or had been going on in, in, in the 40s. So there were bomb shelters and there were bomb craters and things yeah. to play in. So, mm. um, you know, we'd get our little tricycles and our bicycles and we'd sort of uh, do what skateboarders do today, uh, but on little old bike – you know, fairy bicycles and things like this. Wow, in the bombies and <laughs> – uh, Yes, in a bomb crater, yes, yeah. right. Wow, Which is, yeah. could be full of water too, so it was kind of, you know, we come home filthy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, uh, I think uh, rationing was still going oh, on. Oh, definitely. And, uh, and and you 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 grew up in a like a middle class. Yeah, it was uh, sort of lower family. middle class. Low, yeah, lower yeah. Middle I, class, yeah, so. I don't think middle class might be stretching it a little bit. It was mm-hmm. because I was in sort of North London. It's not exactly a slum, but it was not precisely you know how one would. Uh, it wasn't middle class. It wasn't sort of Spielberg middle class. No. You know? <laughs> right, 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 right. The, the unwashed masses. Yes, uh, thank you. And I was definitely uh, one of I, them. Now I feel very Dickensian, yes. right? <laughs> <laughs> now I'm thinking of a Monty Python uh, episode, uh, you know, where all the kids are in the stuffed into the house. Yes, and, uh, exactly. Was, yes, right. It wasn't quite that life. bad. But nonetheless, it was, uh, you know. I, Not quite that bad, yeah, I'm no, sure. No. But, but, but now. But it was the great unwashed, yes. Yeah. What what your father do? Actually, my father started out, this is very interesting, my father started out 
designing the undercarriage for the Mosquito... Uh, oh, the uh, fighter plane. Fighter plane, uh, for, yeah, for de Havilland, yeah. yeah. And that sort of... I don't know, because he was an engineer, it kind of led him into working... For, I don't ask me how this happened, because I was too young, um, but working for Wurlitzer. Oh, well, the, uh, the jukeboxes jukebox and the organs. He was right. a, he mm. was a, he could tune a sort of pipe organ for the you know the theatres in those days. We know the organ would rise from the ashes, like Phoenix, and um, he, he he worked on that. So he had perfect pitch, which I don't have. Um, but nonetheless, he started to work for Wurlitzer, and that sort of leads me to a little thing further down the line when I started designing using all those sort of modern graphics. Mm-hmm. Uh, that you know, sort of somewhere I call Wurlitzer Modern now, mm-hmm. uh, because it's all jukebox oriented. Mm-hmm. That's where I started listening to rock and roll music, American rock and roll music, um, in his shop. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, because I, this is l- probably late fifties, early sixties. Yeah. So you know, you and a and a lot of uh, English kids are listening to American oh, yes. rock and roll. Yes, uh, definitely. You've got uh, Bill Haley and Elvis and Chuck Berry, and plus all the blues guys. Oh yeah, know, right. Or, or, yeah, uh, exactly. You know, importing. You know, it's like uh, I think one of the big things I was listening to that was really crazy about was Blue Slade Shoes. You know, we got all this stuff that was coming in because uh, American servicemen were bringing in these forty fives. Yeah, yeah. You know, because there so, was still a lot of American servicemen. Oh on, yes, on the yeah. island. Right? Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. That's that's pretty crazy. So not unusual for uh, uh, you know English kids your age uh, to to have lived lived and and picked up on, which you know created that first British invasion. Well, yeah, because it, it's very 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 strange because it sort of got absorbed into art schools and things. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah, um, you know, because I, I I think the Royal College had Pink Floyd. Yeah, you know, I we had a sort of the embryonic Kinks, you know, for our mm-hmm. college mm-hmm. band. Um, but oh, yeah, I think the animals were up in Newcastle. Uh, but rock and roll was very, very much tied up with visuals at that point because all of a sudden there was a, a, you know, there was a way we could work together, you know, because we had to sort of put billboards up, we had to put posters yeah. up, we had yeah. to do stuff, you know. And uh, I was lucky; I had the keys to the Photoshop and the, the type shot, so I could create things. And yeah. um, it just one thing led to another, I yeah. guess. Were you always artistic? Did you did you know that from a I, young I, age? I, you know, I don't know. I mean, I had an uncle who was an art director at one of the big advertising agencies who, you know, sort of inspired me. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, I worked for him uh, for a little while as an intern and got fired because I wasn't very good. <laughs> good at being an intern? or well, I don't know. Good at any, anything at that time. I'm a callow, callow youth. Right, 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 right. So you go to you go to art school. Uh, yeah, that and was a big thing. You've yeah. learned the trade, uh, mm-hmm. and, and you felt like this is what you wanted to do. What was your first job out of, uh, out of school? Well, I went to intern actually at, a, at the the August British Printing Corporation, which was a sort of burly conglomerate of printers, and um, got involved in, in their design studio. And in fact, I was taken under the wing of the, you know the, the guy who ran the place, and I started working on products like posters and flyers for the Royal Opera, which encompassed the Royal Opera House and the Royal Ballet. Um, and I started really enjoying myself with type, typo, typography, which I really mm-hmm. love, still love to do today. Now, if I remember right, you're, you're, you're a bit of a classical music fanatic as well. Well, yeah, that's because what happened was, um, uh, still as the callow youth, um, the, the whole art department got fired, uh, but I actually managed to go off with the Royal Opera House um, as a client. 
And so I started there with my own little corner desk thing. And all of a sudden... How, how old are you here? Oh, I've got to be in 1920. Somewhere. Really? Yeah, I'm really young. Mm-hmm. Um, but all of a sudden I'm like... I can walk into the opera house and listen to Mozart and I can listen to Brahms and I could hear these studio musicians, I mean, not the orchestras, you know, are still in their jeans and T-shirts and whatever else and they're rehearsing, you know, or they're rehearsing a ballet with Sir Frederick Astor. So the point is you just suddenly get swamped with like, Oh, it's fucking music. It's yeah. so gorgeous, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. And it's it's the same. It's being played by some of the best players yes, in the world. Yes, right, yes, right, yes, right. yes. And then you go into the pub afterwards, and even though you're underage, you're drinking with them. Um, but the point is that it's it's the same with rock and roll. You know, they're all making music, and the point of making music is to really make sure you are having a good time yeah. listening to music. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's what I think really struck me more than anything else. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It was a gas, as yeah. we say. So how long were you with the uh, Royal Opera House? Not that long, actually, because oh. it's um, because I was also working for a magazine called Art and Artists, uh, which the great uh, Mario Maya was uh, the editor, mm-hmm. and he decided that he would go to run the Venice Biennale, which, as you know, is every two years is the great art show in Italy, um, and he left me in charge of the magazine, which was like. Really? <laughs> wow. Yeah, I know. I mean, I'm fielding phone calls now from Rauschenberg and sort of, you know, I mean, yeah, and all these great artists are calling in, you know. Because they, they want to be included Well, they in want the to be in the magazine. Yeah. No, they wanted yeah. to make sure that the pictures they had in the magazine look, you know, were okay and whatever else. So I'm dealing with all these people um, and totally out of my depth, of course. Mm-hmm. Um But, you know, uh, retaining a Cockney sense of humor, uh, we managed to get through that quite well. Um, and then, um, then that's when that, when the whole thing turned over uh, was I got when I got the phone call from John Lennon because he and Yoko wanted to put in a floppy disk insert of their primal screaming music thing that they were doing at the time. Yeah, so so let's get into talking yeah. to, to working with the Beatles. Yeah, that's uh, how it that's, started. Yes. That's kind of a, a, a big rock, if you will, oh, really? uh, in your career. Never uh, thought of it uh, like that. You know, so. <laughs> <laughs> So you get this call, yes. uh, uh, who and, and really uh, John and Yoko wanted to put a a, a disc. Is, is that yeah? In, they, into do you this remember magazine? those things like floppy disks? They yeah, were like, like, like it was like a like a, a paper. Like, placed, like, it was yeah, kind of plastic. You could cut it out and then put yeah, it on and you the put record it in your turntable. Yeah, 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 square yeah, and you cut yeah, around the corners. Yeah. Or you didn't. Here in America, we'd have that on the back of cereal boxes. Yes, or exactly. Like okay, that. this is the same thing. But he wanted to insert this in with a couple of his drawings, of course, which we hadn't quite got to the erotic drawings he was doing with Yoko yet, but that was coming. So we'll save that for later. Yeah, we'll save that for later. <laughs> he phoned me and uh, said, "Can I come and meet him?" And I, of course, having dealing with all my friends in the art world who were notoriously oh, you thought this was a joke? Oh, well, yeah, yeah, of course, because right. these are notorious sort of yeah. putter on. Well, of course, such a word, know, yeah. Um, I thought it was going to be. Hello, this is John Lennon. Y- yes, right. He speaks like, like this. You, you know, can, I'd like uh, you to come around and talk. And to And it me. could have been David Ox to be the great sort of sculptor who <laughs> also had a Liverpudlian accent. You know. uh-huh. uh, so I decided I would go and meet this guy um, thinking what's the worst can happen we'll end up in a pub and get smashed and I'll try and get a cab cab to get home right Uh, but it was him I actually (laughs) (laughs) I went to meet him and the door he opened the door and said "Uh, let's put the kettle on and it was John Lennon oh my god Uh, yeah I mean (laughs) and this is like 1968 yeah but he liked my work because I'm doing minimalist work at the time I could Mm. you know I, I wasn't very good at psychedelia so I sort of sort of kept everything sort of really cold and black and white, which is what it appealed to him. Okay. And Yoko. 
Fukuoka, which is led to, which what led to the uh, War Is Over campaign mm-hmm. and the John Lennon Diary and all those things that we did together, which are all very stark and very very clean typography. Which I, I must admit, because of my upbringing with the British Printing Corporation, I was really good at. You so, knew you knew how to make that. Oh, work I knew on, how to right. do typography. Oh, right, yes, right, yes, yes, right. yes. So uh, the first album cover, uh, and let's. I mean, if you're going to get in the rock and roll business, I guess you might as well start at the top, uh, <laughs> is Abbey Road, right? Yes, yes. So let's tell the listeners what uh, what that was about. Well, I stumbled into it because uh, John Lennon decided that, you know, there's a desk in the corner of Apple Records that you can sort of use and whatever else. And then I think it was um, – I was actually working – started to work with Mary Hopkin at the time, just doing a few things um, – but all of a sudden, it was urgent that the Abbey Road album had to come out on a certain date. And probably as contractual reasons, mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, there was a deadline. It was a deadline, mm-hmm. yeah. And the late, great Ian McMillan um, shot the pictures, you know, uh, of the guys walking across the street. Uh, Were you there that day? No, I wasn't, actually. No, I was actually back at Apple, sort of, uh, sort of. On the telephone and wondering where the printer's going to be and all this, organizing all that stuff. Um, so I did actually go out there in the end, and then we came back with all the pictures. And there were only it only twelve pictures. There's only twelve shots of the guys walking across the street. So we chose the one that seemed to work the best. Uh, and you can see Paul's out of step. Uh, and we've got and that. without shoes and without shoes, mm. which he you know kicked off because they were his sandals. He was wearing sandals and a suit were uncomfortable, and so what we did was we chose that one shot because I had like twenty four hours to get this piece to the printer. Oh, I, that that's how quick the deadline. Yeah, was. yeah, it was a publicity shot. Mm. It was never intended to be an album cover. Um, so what happened was we put it together and I decided it was probably didn't, we didn't need to put the Beatles name on it. We didn't need to put Abbey Road on it. Oh, you think? Yeah, because they're the biggest band in the world. And if you yes, didn't know who they were, this, they're, in a, they're, you're, they're you're mythic in, creatures you're, you're at this point. You're in a cave, right. you know, so, um, anyway, they come off the White Album and we, I'd actually been working on Let It Be. Yeah, the White Album was pretty minimalistic as yes, well. Yes, it was, so, yes. Yeah. And uh, David Hamilton did that wonderful poster inside. Mm-hmm. Let Get Back was the original name of the Let It Be album because mm-hmm. uh, Paul wanted to get back to their roots. And so that was the one I was working on at the time when that was shelved or at least postponed because contractually they had to make one more album. And it turned out to be Abbey Road, possibly my opinion, because I'm biased, the greatest Beatles album <laughs> it was ever made, you know. I know, you've got Sergeant Pepper. Oh, I know, yeah, I know, yeah. no, 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 I'm not yeah. going to go into that. Um, Revolver, Revolver yeah, Rubber Soul, yeah, everybody argues. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Um, but the point is um, that, that, that that was shelved, and Abbey Road um, had no title on it. And I got the phone call from Sir Joseph Lockwood, who was the head of EMI, which is the parent company of Apple Records Uh and Capital Records, actually, uh, letting out at 2 o'clock in the morning a string of invective. And he has a very, very posh, high-class accent. So when he starts using bad language, you know, you, you, you just start to quiver. Uh, and I was very, very scared. It's like Wellington uh, yelling at you. Yes, yeah. exactly. Right, right, and it's, right. it's you, you know you know you, you know you're always peeing in your pants because you just don't know what to do. <laughs> and it's two o'clock in the morning, 
Um, and why it's two o'clock in the morning, I don't know. But I can't stop the presses. The presses are all run. You know, they're done. It's done. It's over. So I had to go to Apple the next morning. Oh, so it was actually already printed. It was already on press. There was no way to change it no. anyway. No, 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 no. Oh. Um, and, you know, he was accusing me of sabotaging the Beatles and never sell an album and whatever else. So I, I, I had to go to Apple the next morning. Now, you imagine how I felt. Mm-hmm. I'm a, what, Tail between your legs. Yeah. Uh-huh. And for some reason, uh, Paul McCartney, not Paul, uh, George had arrived early, which he doesn't normally. You know, he turned up in his rolls and throw the keys to the Apple scrubs, the sort of groupies, and they'd park his car for him. Can you imagine that today? <laughs> um, no. <laughs> um, and I got in there and I said to George, oh, my God, you just don't know. Tell me. You, I just got to tell you that I had a phone call from Joseph Lockwood, you know, who just ripped me a new one uh, because I didn't put the name of the Beatles on, on, on the cover and whatever else. And you could see I was very upset. So he said, well, you know, fuck him. We're the Beatles. <laughs> yeah, we can do whatever we want. Yes. We like it. Yes. So, go so to that hell, was that sir. story. That was Lockwood. my first right. album cover, yes. Wow. <laughs> and so you, you, you end up really uh, working for the Beatles and, and uh, uh, Apple Records for uh, a couple of couple years. A couple of years, now. yeah, because yeah. there was a decline coming. It was obvious. You know? Yeah. Oh, there's so a decline. So, did you, there, did you know it right <laughs> then that. Uh, that the, the the band was beginning to split apart. It, well, was it, yeah, was it because of, because of the Let It Be um, or the Get Back sessions, you know, because they were shooting at Twickenham Studios and George was really pissed off and left in a half. Ringo went to make, I think it was The Magic Christian, I can't remember. There were two movies he was involved in. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it just left John and Paul, uh, who were supposed to be in two different camps. Uh, Paul was in the Eastman camp, and oh, yeah. John Alan was in Klein. the Klein, yeah, right. Klein camp. Right. And I was more associated with Klein because I'd been to New York a few times and worked over there with stuff. But I was called in, actually, for their last single, which was the ballad of John and Yoko, mm-hmm. because they had contractually had to make another single. Mm-hmm. Um, and I walked into Abbey Road Number 2 studio, and then it was like, wait a minute, there's two kids in here. One is George, I mean, sorry, one is Paul, and one is John. And Paul is on Ringo's drums, and John's playing rhythm. And I'm thinking, and Yoko's in the corner there somewhere, you know. I'm gesticulating, you can't see this, can you? (laughs) (laughs) And I thought, wow, this is interesting, because they're not supposed to be communicating. And they were having a great time. They were talking to each other, they were bantering and having fun. And it ended up with uh, Paul then came down to do bass, and then John did lead, Mm -hmm. and it became the ballad of John and Yoko. Great song. Yeah, I know. And it's like, I mean... And the press had no clue this was going on. Well, you know, working relationships and lifelong buddies yeah. are, you know, it's it, it can be complicated yeah. and sometimes it can be just the way it was. But they were funny so, too. It wasn't like yeah. there was any strain there. It was just like, you know, yeah. there's supposed to be strain, but it wasn't. Yeah. yeah. So that's my part of the story. So you came in a little bit late uh, yeah. after they were uh, kind of, uh, you know, the big giant. Right. I came in just after there. the White Album. Yeah. yeah. And uh, you know what? What what is your takeaway about uh, them as people, uh, or a working band, or what you oh, saw? Oh, as people, they were you know um, splendid. I mean, John was you know uh, very sarcastic, but mm-hmm. funny, and if he liked you, you were fine. Mm-hmm. You know, Ringo was jolly, and Paul was the sweetest uh, you know as sweet as he can be without being over the top. And George, of course, was the loveliest man in the world. <laughs> yes, yeah, real just. Just, oh, oh yeah, just great. So, but these guys were running up and down the stairs all the time. There was no graces, you know, that they put on, and they were just doing 
you know, stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think when I got there, Paul sort of lost interest in Apple and John took over. But there were, you know, but it was like Billy Preston there. You know, I mean, they're just, you know, this people would arrive and be assimilated yeah. uh, in, into the into what was a was seriously hard work making records and getting them out on time, right? And, you know, so you know, yeah. Liam Russell was there. I mean, just everybody around yeah. was oh, seriously oh, yeah. concerned in doing yeah. this job. All legends, yes, now. Uh, they're all having fun. Don't yeah. get me wrong. Yeah, um, but they were, you know, dedicated. This record's not going out if it ain't right. You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> so. Hey, one more question: Were you were you there the the uh, for the last show on the top? Oh, of on Apple the top. Records? Yeah, yeah. I was, yeah, I was, I was lurking behind a chimney. <laughs> so, oh, so, so you're there in the movie in the. The, the, I'm, the, you can't see me. I'm yeah. afraid. Yeah. No, I, 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 the, the the engineer downstairs in the basement, you know, the famous, infamous basement at Apple, which is where they were recording, and all the cables were sneaking up to the roof because mm. it was all put together in like a day. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And, and they it, only got like 20 minutes. Uh, yeah, right. The cops it was, it was, shut them down. It was freezing the up there. And there. what no one realized at the time was the weight of the equipment uh, we could have gone through the roof because oh, yeah. that building built in. 18, right. 12, or whatever, right. um, was not designed to carry, you know, uh, Ringo's kit and Billy Preston's kit and all the people up there. We could have just all gone and down and perished. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you did, even though the, the Beatles themselves as a, as a unit uh, dissolved, you continued to work with all four of them. I, uh, no, no, no. I only worked with, uh, no, no, not all four. I oh, worked with didn't. John. You were, okay. George still went off and did his stuff. I worked with Ringo. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I did four albums, I think, with Ringo from that point on. Mm-hmm. Uh, we started with um, uh, Buco Blues. Mm-hmm. That's where I came in on Buco Blues, and then we worked on a few others. You know, Ringo the Fourth and whatever else that mm-hmm. you know. Um, and then John's other other projects that had I had with John because John wanted to come out with a single every week, a topical. Single. Oh, really? Every week, mm-hmm. which is now quite possible, but in those days was impossible. Yeah, because not only do you have to press the records, you have to put the. I was going to put a black and white sleeve on every one of them, um, and it had to be topical. Now, in those days, you can't do that. You know, trucks have to roll. We have to get all the everything pressed, delivered, yeah, all, whatever else. All now the you can download it. You yeah, can do it. Yeah. Uh, so it wasn't possible. So it all fell through. But nonetheless, it was a, you know, it was a funny, ambitious. Yes, it yeah. was an ambitious challenge, which you know collapsed. But mm-hmm. nonetheless, you know, you're all so intense on trying to make it work. You know, and the record company is just going berserk, Because right. it's not possible. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Now, two other huge pillars of the British invasion are the Rolling Stones and the Who, and you've mm. got to work with both of them yes. as well, too. Yes. So let's start with the Rolling Stones. Oh. You, the I strolling think, bones, as we the, used to call them. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, the rattling bones <laughs> yeah, now. Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, they, uh, goes, boy, here, here's a single act of... Uh, 50, oh my God! Yeah, the best rock and roll band six, in the world. Almost no sixty doubt about years it. now. Yeah. Yeah, my God, unbelievable! Yeah. And Mick's so, still doing it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he's, he's on a big, he's giant stage, I mean, that's running something. around. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of work. Uh, so um, you worked on uh, one of the great. All-time all great live albums, uh, Get Your Yacht. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think documenting the '69 American tour. One of, one of that's an infamous tour, but it pretty much uh, well, yeah, ends with Altamont. Yeah, uh, yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, I Which t- I think has something to do with how the album cover 
changed yeah, behind came my about. back. In right. fact, yes. Right, right. yes right. Tell us the story. Of oh, that. Okay, yeah, because the original concept was the uh, Mick would have the Uncle Sam hat that he would wear on stage. Yeah, okay. And there was a big revolution food-wise in England at the time. American hamburgers were like the big thing because mm. English hamburgers like were just awful. <laughs> Uh, when it's probably still on. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I had this concept of having the hamburger on top of his hat. And mm. it sounds kind of weird now, I must admit. Uh, and the ketchup was kind of coming out and dripping down the well, side of the, the hat. 60s. Right. And I thought this was kind of a nice way of doing mixed, you know, it's a salute to Mick, actually, in his uh-huh. hat. And then, of course, I, I decided to go to... Was it just the hat and the hamburger? Yeah. That was the plan. Yeah, it was, it was it. Just it was very, very okay. simple. So, uh, just, I was in, it was okay. going to be stark, you right. know, like, and it says Rolling Stones, you right. know. It seemed to yeah. sum it up quite yeah. well. Yeah. Um, you know, because you're into that is, in, instant visual yeah. communication at the time. Well, it is the American tour, so yes, yeah, exactly. a hamburger and, where, and uh, Uncle it. Sam hat. Got, got it. it. Yeah. And then, of course, I went. I, I decided to go on vacation. I went to Ibiza and came back just after the ultimate disaster. Um, and uh, Mick had decided to pull the cover because the ketchup looked like blood coming down the hat. Uh, and he stuck David Bailey's picture of Charlie. <laughs> oh, with the hat. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah uh, and, and the donkey. And uh, the donkey. Uh, yeah. And on his original, the T-shirt, he had f- female breasts printed on his. Uh, <laughs> I think they're gone now. Or maybe uh-huh. if you get an old one, you go to Amoeba, you might find an old print. Right. Um, uh, yeah, so and I was like furious, like what happened to my cover? You right. know? But I was no more. I was not as upset as David Bailey, the photographer, who just took that picture as a joke and had no intention of it being on an album cover. <laughs> so his name's on it, my name's on it, and neither of us are happy except Mick. Just give a shit. Unbelievable. <laughs> well, yeah, well, and it's one of the be- you... best live records ever. You yeah, know, so yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> And then uh, also another huge, huge uh, album, uh, probably in just about everybody's record collection, is Who's Next? Oh, you, yeah, yeah. You put that album. The best, album in my opinion. Yeah. Again, I'm biased. Yeah. Uh, the best Who album. Who's album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was, a, that was, that was serendipitous because, you know, most times we plan things very carefully. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the band were driving, uh, it, uh, why they were driving on the M4 going west of London, I don't know. Uh, but, you know, being kind of drinkers and whatever else, they had to stop to pee. And there were the obelisks, which kind of looked a bit like 2001, though no one realized it at the time. And Ethan Russell took the pictures of them peeing up against the concrete slabs. So so literally they're driving down the road and they the see M4, this thing and yeah. stop and go... This is the perfect well, place, or did they know ahead of time? You that- know, it's it's like you know. The only thing I can tell you that the pee stain from Roger Daltrey is not real. <laughs> that there was a cup of water had to be thrown in and make it <laughs> look like it was real. <laughs> not enough drinking uh, that no. day. Huh? No, I was on my way to Keith Moon's house at the time, which was a different thing altogether. So, uh-huh. so I just chose the picture, um, and then I retouched it. And if you look at it very carefully, you can see I didn't do a very good job in it because oh, I was well. Tell there was us no what's, Photoshop what's in those the thing, days. What's the thing? to look for well the point is the sky the sky was the English grey sky uh-huh. and I t- decided to steal another Brighten sky and, and make you know, it cut more, it in with uh-huh. scalpel blades and uh-huh. spray mount or whatever else and then uh-huh. retouch the edges and it kind of looks like I did it with a toothbrush because I it wasn't very good at those days <laughs> <laughs> No Photoshop. Iconic. No Photoshop. Oh my gosh! All right, everybody, go and look, pull out that album cover yeah. and look oh, please, deeper no, no, into I don't, it. Oh please! No, no, yeah. no, no, no. Send your cards don't. and letters to Kosh. No, care send to you. of rock and roll archaeology. <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez. So, uh, 
you you're there in England. This is now seventy one, seventy two. You're 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 working. Uh, uh, I, I guess there's, there's probably a couple of competitors that are yeah. right around there too. I know Hypnosis. Oh would yeah, be Hypnosis one. were great competitors because they they were sort of they handled more or less Pink Floyd. Yeah, uh, yeah. and you're wearing a t-shirt. Yeah. Oh, uh, sorry. Yes. Yes, I, am I know. Wearing a Fuck hypnosis. You. <laughs> um, and uh, no, they were great. They were great competitors. The Storm. And, I did and that po. on purpose. Yeah, Poe. Actually, you know. we'd need to get on the show sometime. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, there were a couple of other guys that were working there. Um, and yeah, it was. You know, I think was, John Pash. Was oh yeah, John one? Pash, yeah. Who, who designed? I hate to say this because it really pisses me off. He designed the <laughs> the, the Rolling Stones tongue sticking out logo, which is Instant, obviously instantly the recognizable. Best Best around the world logo right. that you could possibly have for the Rolling yeah. Stones. Yeah. yeah. So there's my sort of sal- salutation to uh, Pash. Well, maybe we'll have uh, if we can get Pash him on the, get the, him on the on, show. On the yeah, because we can have a lot of future. fun with that. Right. Because we right. used to steal each other's clients. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, now I think uh, you know you mentioned this a little bit at the beginning of the show um, and how you try to get with the artists, uh, listen to the music, uh, get inside their head a bit on what they're trying to convey, and then and then do that through imagery, uh, which I think is a little bit different than some of what the other guys would well, do. Well, yeah, because, I mean, some guys had sort of preconceived sort of images that they would try and mm-hmm. sell. Mm-hmm. Um, so they would, they would, like, design these things and then just say, yeah, then hey, what about this one? Or what about this one? Right, uh-huh. go to yes or go to, you know. Uh-huh. Um, but I wanted to do with something, you know, which was just – Get into the studio early if I could, even if we're just listening to rough mixes, mm-hmm. um, and get the trust of the artist. That, that's most important. If they realize that you were working for them and not necessarily working for the label, uh-huh. because sometimes these guys are at odds with the label, and I became the bridge quite often between what the label wanted to do and what the artist wanted to do, and I was the one who would uh, wow. try and sort of... Uh, stuck in the middle with you. Yeah, wow. stuck in the middle. Yeah, thank you, nice one. Um, so, <laughs> very good one. Uh, so, yeah, so the point was that, you know, I, once I got their trust and, and they understood that nothing's going out that isn't, perfectly right which is what they were doing with their music after all yeah yeah nothing's gonna go out unless it's fucking perfect yeah and i wanted to make sure that they understood that um, we could work that same way Mm -hmm. and i wasn't the art department who just was you know turning up from nine to five and sort of you know cranking out the work yeah right yeah and so it's unfair to some art departments but nonetheless basically it was uh, you know they were just you know well it weren't hacks they were just like Put things together. Well, they, there It'll was also a, a lot, of, a lot of different artists to, yeah, to work with, know, and everybody I mean, has a deadline. And, you can look at you know. classic albums that have got dreadful covers, like the, you know, one of the greatest albums ever, the Beach Boys Pet Sounds. Yeah, what is that cover about? You know, <laughs> um, and that's what my job was to sort of stop that happening. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, good for you. Uh, we appreciate it. I'm Thank sure you all those uh, artists appreciated. Yeah. Uh, you know, you know, it's too bad that we we still don't have uh, such a connection between uh, the visual art and and the uh, the music. But it's shrunk. There, I mean, or well, the visual so. part of it's shrunk now. So, yeah. You know, we're well, have... it's not. It's like it's going, went from twelve inch. Yeah. To four, four inch to yeah. now about two inch. If you get that, even, seventy-five uh, uh, yeah, or, right. or or less than that on a yeah, phone, it'd be, and it'd know? be tooth implants. Next, you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you, uh, why why did you decide to come to America? You're doing so well in. Uh, uh, in, because in America beckoned 
happened. There was no doubt oh, about it. Okay. See, I worked in New York a few times. You did? Okay, you'd go back and forth. Yeah. 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 And how, what, what brought you to New well, York? Well, I mean, Rod Stewart came over. Uh-huh. Ringo came over. Uh-huh. Um, Peter Asher, um, who brought over James Taylor, though he's an American artist, but he was originally... Signed to Apple, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it mm-hmm. didn't do well, but mm-hmm. he re-signed him to A&M, and it did very well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I came over because I wanted to, you know, get out of that sort of... I just want to get some sunshine. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's not a lot in London. (laughs) Right. 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 And, and, you know, and sort of as soon as I reconnected with Peter Asher, you know, I suddenly met Linda Ronstadt, for Christ's sake, who's one of the greatest Mm -hmm. white singers Mm -hmm. ever, Mm -hmm. you know, and so... Demure and beautiful and unassuming. That, that's a that's an oh, LA girl. Yeah. So so you. Well, she, you, she no, she's from she's from Tucson. Actually. But yes, but I mean, I mean, let's. Oh, well, you, well, her, that got her me career into, was built yeah, here, and that so. got me into the Eagles. You know, so the whole mm. West Coast scene now. Uh-huh. Is, yeah, this is this is early seventy. So this is like nineteen seventy three, three, when four, you come five. Over yeah, here? coming because it started in seventy. Mm-hmm. I didn't think I started picking up clients until seventy four, maybe seventy five. By the time I got to Hotel California, because basically you just had to start all over, right? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I was. I mean, you had some welcome. connections like Ringo and, and Peter James Asher, Taylor, Peter yeah, but Asher, I wasn't exactly obviously. Welcome. Yeah, yeah. Because there were clicks, you know. Yeah, the, the yeah. Rod, uh, well, like any Rod any, Dyers or yeah, whatever else, any you know, like, geographic location yeah, in industry and, uh, will have clicks. But the point was that I just got. So absorbed by the West Coast scene, uh-huh. you know, which is sort of, I guess, is kind of soft rock, but um, nonetheless, uh, I met such so many beautiful people, and we worked so hard together to get things right, you know. Uh, working with like Linda Ronstadt, which is like possibly the best, best wonderful, most yeah, wonderful you've person done, you work with. Seven or eight? Uh, no, more than that. It's more 10, like 20. 12, 20 albums? Yeah, cover? if you count some of the later stuff, yeah, and really? sort of go into the sort of, uh, you know, the. Her mariachi stuff and whatever else, yeah, yeah. I think she fell in love with you. I, I fell in love with her, that's for sure, yes. <laughs> <laughs> What was the first uh, uh, album cover you did uh, for Linda? Prisoner in Disguise. Prisoner in Disguise, yeah. Which yeah, was that yeah. black one with the little picture of her in the that's middle. That's right. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, kind of like a lock, almost like a locket or yeah, something that like that. And then, yeah, but of course, Simple Dreams. Oh. That's... Well, now, Simple Dreams, we knew... Um, what we're going to do with that? Yeah, let's talk a little bit about that because, hey, personally, that's my favorite album cover it's, you did w- with her. Um, yeah. you know, I was probably just the right age where that may have been the sexiest uh, picture I, I had ever seen at oh, that point. Oh, yeah, well, actually, that was the second sexiest picture. Uh, the first one was sexier, um, but the record company. Oh, for that. Yeah, we had to reshoot it. Oh, well, yes. we're, 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 we're done with this. You're going to have to show me the first one. Yeah, I've got, I've got the prints, yes. yes. Yeah. <laughs> no, because I, I I just come off Hasten Down the Wind, and we had that nipple problem with Hasten Down the Wind. No, tell me about the nipple well, problem. Well, if you look at the cover, you'll see why. Oh. Uh, you, she's wearing this sort of chiffon diaphanous thing, uh-huh. you know, there's a horse going in the background. It's uh-huh. very pretty. Uh-huh. But you can see her nipples. Well, what about I, Roxy Music? Well, I know, but this is the difference. So the point was that um, I the problem I had with Hasten Down the Wind was that one of her hands kind of looked like a claw because he was doing sort of scrunching it up. Uh-huh. And I spent so much time re-photographing the hand and putting it on that I didn't see the nipples. Oh. Okay. And then the National Organization of Women are coming down on me like a ton. Really? Saying, you know, you're selling sex or you're selling music. Yeah, it was, a, it was a big problem. So when we did Simple Dreams, we had too much cleavage. And so the record company got shy about it. And we had to reshoot the whole thing. Now, that's a setup because you're in Pantages Theatre. 
There's all those mirrors. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, now, you, can't, you, might, you mustn't see the camera. There's no Photoshop in those days. You know? No. You can't see the camera. You can't see me holding up yeah. the, 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 the screen. It's like uh, her in her boudoir. And what is the look. The film that we used for the first shoot, okay, had been discontinued by Gaff, and we had to find a new film stock, and we couldn't get the same grain structure. Really? I had to send the film to Delhi in mm-hmm. India to get them to cook the film to get that grain structure, to get back to where we were. That's amazing. Yeah, and it will have to be done in three weeks. (laughs) (laughs) That's why you got paid the big bucks. Well, not that big. (laughs) 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 Only Hotel California was big. (laughs) Well, since you brought it up, yes, you also uh, did the cover of Hotel California. Yes, I did. Yeah, so let's talk about that. Uh, I don't know what to say because... um, uh, I, I was invited into Irving Azoff's office to hear the title track with Glenn Fry. Uh, I mean, I think the whole I think the whole band were there actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. Um, and so I heard this music, and uh, it was obvious that we have to find a, a really great hotel. So Don Henley said, "Go look," you know. Yeah, I mean, it's all in the title, right? Yes, <laughs> yes. And I think we shot three different hotels. Okay. And who did you shoot that with? Oh, um David Alexander, uh-huh. the great David Alexander, who I speak to occasionally, and I'd like to call him. I'm again. sure we'll get him on. Your yeah, show. we really yeah. is because he's got. Yeah. We did a lot. Yeah. We did Leonard yeah. Skinner. We did a whole lot of stuff uh-huh. with uh, uh-huh. with David. Um, anyway, so we fo- we photographed all three, and it was obviously the one that's going to win. The competition, if you can call it that, was it really? Was that, that was the Beverly Hills the Beverly Hotel, Hills Hotel yeah, uh, in the sunset? sunset. Yeah. Right, right. And, and so that was prints, just the head and shoulders above the. Others, yeah, and so. it, the, well, yeah, and we made prints the size of the table we're sitting at, which you, no one can see except you and I. Um, to so, I mean, a, the point. a good four feet by yeah, uh, beautiful, by beautiful dye okay. transfers in those days. Uh-huh. Uh, and it was just obvious that that was going to be the cover because you just like was like gleaming at you. you know, uh-huh. so. Did the boys come in and approve yes. it? Yes. Well, they... actually, Henley came in and Fry came in. Oh, and Randy Meisner, yeah. Uh-huh. And, uh, I, you know, I don't know whether anyone, you know, I can't remember. It's 50 no. years but, ago. But, yes, right. but, but they all said, But Azov, wow. Azov <laughs> smile, which means we got it. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> that's all that matters. Yes. Right, right. You got the manager on board, you're, yeah. ready, you're ready to go. Yeah, those are, that's, uh, we, I, we've hit on some pretty iconic uh, uh, album covers here, I of know. which, it's again, amazing, of, isn't it? of only a few of almost 2,000. It seems like, yeah, I, 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 someone says it was 2,000. Yeah. I didn't say that. <laughs> no, but I, I think it's pretty close. I think oh, it's pretty okay. close. So walk us through like a, a, a shoot. What's the, what's the prep like? Uh, you know, what's a, what's a typical album cover is from inception to completion? Well, there is no typical album. That's the point. I mean, uh-huh. it's either, you know, serendipity can happen. Yeah. You know, you can say that, you know, who's next was serendipity. You can say, but he comes down to sort of Hotel California. A lot of prep goes into that. You have to work out, and with the, you know, Simple Dreams and all Linda Ronsat's covers, actually, um, you work out the lighting with the photographer very carefully, you know, because mm. um, the, 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 the star has to walk in and be totally comfortable. So craft services are all arranged. Everything's sort of nicely fixed and they feel comfortable and they're not going to keep looking at their watch because they have to leave. Right. Um, but normally what happens is you, if you've still got sketching skills left, which I'm kind of mind of diminishing, you draw things out 
you know, so you can work out with the photographer particularly where the lighting is going to go. But you also have to talk to the printer to say, you know, if this is a gatefold, I want this to wrap around here and I want this to do this. Mm. And you have to think about the images that are going to go out as posters and also the images that are going to go on the label, which we don't have anymore, mm-hmm. you know. So it all ties up. So if, if you take any package apart, yeah, you know it, exactly what it belongs to because there's the label. It looks like that, and you know, everything's kind of comes together mm-hmm. in one beautiful thing, which hopefully uh, reflects the music, mm-hmm. which is the whole point in the first place. Right, <laughs> right, right. So yeah, so there's a lot of that going on because you know the the record label have to go to take it to their publicity and promotional departments, and they're going to have to like slap things on the side of buses. So you've got to make sure that things are legible as a bus goes by. Yeah, because you, know? you want to get the point across. Yeah, so you've got to co- all those things ca- can capture the eye, like we yeah, said. Yeah, exactly. Uh, right and they know. Oh, I know that is. I buy that record. You know, yeah. and then when they walk into the record store, they find it. <laughs> right, right, right. So all that stuff goes in, and there's a, the prep is kind of like I don't know. I think most of the work comes in just drawing the tissues and getting it together and thinking all that stuff through Mm -hmm. and then getting the photography Mm -hmm. right. The rest of it is just cut and paste. What do you think the hardest cover you ever put together was? Hmm. I think it was Simple Dreams, actually. Really? Yeah. Because Because that film stock and Well, yeah, but look at the typography and and all that. It's so precise, Uh you know, because I was showing off because I wanted to win a Grammy. Yeah. And I did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because I wanted to, because yeah. I wanted it to be so no one can yeah. uh, sort of fake this thing or say this is not up to standard, you know, mm-hmm. so it was letter spacing, yeah. everything. You know? Yeah, you've actually won three Grammys, I right? certainly have, yeah. yes. And the other two were four. Well, Get, get Closer with Linda Ronstadt mm-hmm. and uh, Lush Life, which was yeah. the hat box that she right. appeared in. Right. When right. she particularly wanted to be, because her briefs are very kind of narrow she would say i just want to look like i'm in the 20s or 30s right oh that oh that because yeah, when you would talk put to her, her in the hat um, box and when mm-hmm. we did uh, mad love she said i just want to punk this thing up a bit because i'm getting you know i need to get more rock and roll in and that's when we put her in the phone booth right and gave her a pile of quarters right and she called jerry brown the governor at the time uh, her in boyfriend the phone booth. Yes, yes right yes <laughs> <laughs> and we shot it in black and white yeah. and the governor we, at the time and the governor now yes yeah, exactly just, just so yes you know. precisely <laughs> i hope he's listening um but the point was that we we mapped that out we found you know it wasn't like we just threw her into phone booth yeah. we'd already found oh, yeah, the phone yeah, booth yeah. we'd already drawn it mm-hmm. we'd drawn it we'd already sort of fixed the lighting inside it so it would work mm-hmm. you know so mm-hmm. when she walked in it would just light up yeah um, but it wasn't <laughs> so. well she must have loved every shoe because like you said you've done like 20 album yeah. covers with yeah she's her. great fun to work with yeah. too it's like Carol King was great fun to work with mm-hmm. too she's just like they're, they're professionals you see yeah. that's yeah. the point yeah. <laughs> yeah, and they, they trust you they know you're going to make them look Look really yeah. good. Yeah, so, because they're not. Yeah, they're not yeah. going to. Yeah, nothing's going out without them looking at it. Right. You know? Right. Yeah, they have to approve it. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. So, what's it like walking into a record store and seeing your work? Uh, you know, well, throughout. You, what, what, what was it like? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's right. There are no more records. <laughs> I can, well, I there's go, a few. I, there's I a, go rubbaging a, through yeah, Amoeba yeah, now and again yeah, yeah. and think, wow, did I do this? Oh, yeah, it's got my name. Oh, yeah. oh, oh, oh. <laughs> so sometimes you forget that that, that looks like my that work. Does look familiar. Oh, I, need, I need to look, yes. turn it over. Oh, it is me. Was I yeah. doing things in those days? <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, it used to be you could walk into Tower Records, mm-hmm. you know, and there's like yeah. the, the top 100 all yeah. around the world. By the way, we are at Aftermaster Studios right down the street from the old Tower Records. The building's still there. Yeah, I think Oh, like Gibson guitars now. Yeah. But, but yeah, yeah you, I mean, at one point, I think I had like 10, 10 albums in the top 100 just, you know, hanging on yeah. the walls there, the great, uh, you know, uh, art <laughs> gallery did, in, yeah. in the sky, as it were. Did you ever have a poster on Sunset? You know, the famous oh, big yes, you know, uh, the, billboard? I'm sorry, oh, the, the billboards. billboards. Yeah, I got yeah. a lot of billboards. Yeah. yeah. 
What was yeah, the this, first one that you remember? Oh my god, I don't know. Driving down the street and going, "Oh my god, there's uh, there's uh, that." Uh, well, I mean, you don't drive down the street and see them because you've already been working with them. Um, yeah. You know, because the the, the, the the artists were all downtown in East L.A. and wherever else. And so you be with them, you know, you take yeah. a six-pack and a, a couple of bottles of Jack Daniels to work with the artists, you know, which is very important. Um, hoping they won't fall off the ladder, of course. Um, but no, no, I mean, yeah, I mean, I can't remember the first one. But there's a, there's a book out now of all the posters that were in on the strip. And I've got, a, I think I've got like six pages of those of uh, Linda Ronstadt, Rod Stewart and... Uh, I don't know. I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. So, so I, I, just your perspective on how the business has changed. I mean, we all know it's changed. Oh, I don't tremendously, know. I can't, I can't but... comment because it's now it, it, it's become downloadable now. Yeah, you know, there's nothing to hold and open right. and smell. Yeah, because I love the smell of ink. <laughs> Why? Yeah. Well. It, it, it's it's so different, and uh, it's it's okay because there's you know there's a, there's a whole younger generation coming up making you know. Great music, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I mean, I... I, I I, I, not so ups- I, I'm kind of upset about the quality of the, of the audio that's coming out on MP3s and whatever else. Mm-hmm. And don't get Linda Ronstadt started on that. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Oh, she, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, um, I, you know, Neil but, Young's I mean, been trying I mean, to fight we're, that we're battle for studio, years. And these and... guys are actually sort of bringing all the music back yeah. and making it sound great again, you know. But there was a time, I think, where it got kind of sloppy... Yeah, MP3s are not yeah, known for now, their quality. Yeah, but now you know because there's a resurgence in vinyl, yes, which is cool, yeah, yeah. which is very good. Which I think you're you're getting some work doing. Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, some, yeah. My, uh, re, my clients uh, yeah, reissues and things. Like reissues that. are kind of fun to play yeah. with now. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but the point is now uh, the music actually the, the sound quality of music now because of aftermasters um, is now coming up to the you know and beyond the level that we were used to when yeah. we were loved vinyl so that's mm. a good move mm-hmm. um, the music you know I mean there's so many bands out there now which I kind of like lost because you know being an old fart I'm not sort of being invited to work with young Turks anymore well, yeah, you know that happens. <laughs> I'm yeah. to those guys I mean yeah. that generation yeah. so yeah. but that's okay because yeah. you know but uh, you're you're on to other pursuits yes Susan yeah. my partner and I are sort of now sort of making movies right right and you have a new you have a movie that's just coming out right now right well we, we got one yeah it's actually we just won the Hollywood Reel Award for a short which was uh-huh. very nice but Susan wrote uh-huh. um, called uh, cast, Casting All Corpses yes, right yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, that yeah. you directed yes yeah. and Susan sort of wrote it and stars in it which mm-hmm. is it's just brilliant of course and now we're working on a little sci-fi movie which we're gonna what's it called at the moment it's just temporarily called landings uh-huh. i'm not going to go into details because it's still in script stage but oh it's, no but we are trying yeah. to shoot this thing next uh-huh. month so uh-huh. it's in the desert which means it's going to be 110 degrees out there Ooh. yeah <laughs> well i'm sure we'll uh, hear updates uh, on, oh, yeah, so we'll on your you... upcoming show uh, yeah. art of rock with caution Friends. yes certainly so. Yeah. So why Kosh? Why not? Pregnant pose. Uh, <laughs> because of my competition with John Pash, who oh, we mentioned earlier. Okay. And it was obvious that people were getting confused who was John Kosh and John Pash. Uh-huh. So we, our clients were getting confused, and one of us would start working on one project, and it would be given to us. As, you know, and he just got a muddle. So I decided I'd just be called Kosh forget the rest of it so john pash can go sailing on right so could i <laughs> and here we have kosh yes right so some upcoming guests that we can expect uh on uh, on the new show ah okay well we're gonna hit uh 
Bob Blakeman, who is a great photographer who I've worked with for many, many years, and uh, Linda Ronst, another Linda Ronstadt stuff coming up, but David Dinley, um, he's going to strangle me if I don't remember them all. Um, and also Aaron Rappaport, another great photographer, mm-hmm. uh, who we worked together on, um, I think he started started out with James Taylor. Uh, I think we did Leonard Skinner with David Alexander. Uh, a, a whole mass of these wonderful stories. And the thing that's good about these stories is that while I will try to protect the clients, the artists, from things that are going not right in the background, mm-hmm. they would do the same to me. So now I'm learning things. Oh, This will be really funny. Like, you know, uh, I'm cheating yep. and, and they're cheating yep. on me, so I wouldn't know, you know. <laughs> and th- th- now 40 years later or something, this is funny now. Yeah. At the time, it was could have been dire, mm-hmm. you know, but we've got all those sort of... Uh, stories coming out. We've just we did Ron Larson, of course, who was a great friend yeah. and collaborator, and mm-hmm. we had an awful lot of fun together with yeah. an awful lot of clients. That was our pilot show. Yes, folks, the pilot, but, yeah. uh, and uh, uh, that I think turned out quite well. Yeah, it, it did. It was fantastic, and uh, uh, I can't wait to hear more of these uh, these stories and uh, the folks that you worked with, uh, famous and infamous. Yeah, uh, infamous. And, yeah, we got uh, a lot of infamous stories. Yeah, uh, you know, so um, it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. a lot of stuff, the, a, lot of, a lot of the stories we've got actually uh, at the time were, I don't know how to explain it, not heartbreaking, but it's like, uh, can you imagine the sort of s- situation where you are where you just can't really imagine what you're going to do to save this problem? Right. You know, and then 40 years later, when you realize how you got out of that problem and the people you work with maybe not realized it, now find out, or well, I find out, it's funny. <laughs> but at the time. Wasn't funny at the no, time. Right, no, way. Right, but yeah. now it is. And it's like, we, yeah, there's a whole flood of, uh, of, of stars um, who will learn things they never knew. Mm. Uh, and I will learn things that I never understood what was going on. You know, it's already already these guys that I'm speaking to, Aaron and Bob, they've already started telling me things like, what? <laughs> you did what? <laughs> well, Diggers, you are going to have to uh, check out uh, our newest show, uh, Art of Rock, with Kosh uh, and Friends. So, uh, Kosh, thanks for being with us on Deeper Digs in Rock today. Well, thank you. This is uh, great. We, uh, we wanted to j- introduce you to, uh, to uh, uh, the audience, and uh, I think everybody's got a, a little good idea of who you are, and I think a lot of people will uh, tune in to listen to the new oh, show. I hope so, because this is fun. Great. <laughs> it's it's going to be even more fun, believe me. So as I warm up, it'll get better. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks again for being with us. Thank you, man. could only hit on the smallest sliver of the many extraordinary albums Kosh has worked on over the years. I invite you to go get on the Googles and look up Abbey Road, Who's Next, Get Your Yaya's Out, and Hotel California to see how the concepts became reality now that you know the stories. In upcoming episodes of Art of Rock with Kosh and Friends, we will be hearing great stories with some very surprising guests. Uh, sorry, I don't want to spoil it. 
you will just have to tune in for yourselves. So you can thank me later. Keep an eye on rockandrollarchaeology.com, our Facebook page at the RNRAP, or tweet us at RNRarchaeology for the release. Please go see Kosh's website if you want to know more about him now. That's at koshdesign.blogspot.com. I'm Christian Swain, and this has been Deeper Digs in Rock, a production of Rock and Roll Archaeology. Keep coming back for more. Oh, and please, tell a friend. Thank you. Keep up the rockin'. Hey, diggers. Christian Swain here with a short pause for a great cause. We believe music education for young people is an investment in a better future for all of us. If you listen to our podcasts, chances are you agree. Little Kids Rock has transformed the lives of more than 650,000 public school students by bringing music education into their schools. Little Kids Rock trains teachers in underfunded schools to teach kids the music they love, from the Beatles to Bruno Mars, Led Zeppelin to Lady Gaga, Chuck Berry to Chance the Rapper. Little Kids Rock has become a national movement to restore, expand, and innovate music education in public schools across America. Visit littlekidsrock.org and learn more about how you can help put music where it belongs, in our schools. Thank you, and let's keep up the rockin' right into the next generation. Deeper Digs in Rocks, produced and hosted by Christian Swain. All sound design and incidental music by Busy Signal Studios. All quotes performed by actors unless noted. Playlists can be found at iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Please purchase these great and important tracks. All songs, clips, and references can be found on our show notes. Please visit rnrap.com for more information. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.